Okay. Guys, thank you so much for coming. So I, um, gosh, there's so many reasons I'm doing this, but one of the main reasons is I'm in the middle of writing my second book, but which is going to be like the how-to to be a rock star from A to Z. The first book was a bunch of stories, you know, just kind of, we didn't know what we were doing. The next book is li literally going to be from A to Z, and you'll be able to look in the contents like how-to, you know, read a business plan, and you can go to that chapter. So it's going to be more of an academic book versus a bunch of stories. But the third book is going to be on canvassing. And I want, you know, I want all of you and many other people to share canvassing stories in the book. And I got that idea from people like Fred and some other people that said, you should do a book on canvassing. And because and, I think we all have very awesome, funny, maybe not so funny stories. So I said, you know, the ticket to entry was a canvassing story or a canvassing karma story. You know, I have a bunch of them, but I just thought it would be fun to share. And, and then as we share, the stories will learn from each other, you know, because uh, like um, Nate said, 15 years in the business, right? And a lot of times, you know, you get caught up in doing your job and doing paperwork and looking at contracts and you're like, gosh, if I could just get out there and then we get, and we go, get out there and we learn so much, right? So I presume everyone here canvasses. Anyone not canvas? I'll put you on the spot. Not canvas, okay. Well, starting. you're starting. Okay, so exactly. So let's, so I'm gonna, we're gonna start with Fred because he's gotta run to another meeting and I know Fred canvasses a lot. So just maybe a, a good story, maybe a not so good story if you wanna share and uh, some lessons learned. And then, you know, just again, tell everyone your name and where you're from and how long you've been in the business. Sure. It's way too long. And, uh, you had hair when you started? I did, it's true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I can do this easily. <laughs> Park City, Utah, and uh, I'm with Philip Edison and Company. Uh, Mothership Cincinnati, but uh, we have a good size Salt Lake office, and I work uh, in the Western states. Um, I, a little bit of the story on, on the, the toughest, uh, I don't want to say it's the toughest, but It'll always stick with me. Was in Carson City, Nevada, and we were a former employer, and we were building a new shopping center. I was out, you know, beating the streets. Uh, and I had my flyer, of course, Beth. That was even before I met Beth. Uh, walked into a, uh, a bike shop, and I, I figured, and he was in a just horrible spot within the shopping center. And, uh, and walked in, I said, hey, I always, my approach is, hi, I'm Fred, you are, and anyway, he didn't even say his name. And I said, well, listen, we're building a new shopping center down there, and I think it'd be great to see you in here. I love bike shops. And he goes, not interested. Um, I'm busy. Uh, you know, kind of like, bye. So about three months later, you know, I'm still pre-leasing the shopping center, and I went back in. And... Uh, I said, hey, I'm Fred, you know, I was here a few months uh, ago and just wondering if maybe you might have a few minutes. Love to have your store in our shopping center. You know, we've got Best Buy. And he took, I, I had another flyer, he took the flyer, he walked from around the counter, actually took me by the elbow, gently, <laughs> led me to the, to the door, and he said, I don't know what it is about the first time you were here, but don't come back. Oh my gosh. I mean, and he was just, woo. Oh. Not exactly the guy I'd like to buy a bike from. Probably. How many years were you in the business when that happened? 
Like that would have been enough to maybe scare me to never do it again, huh? Right? Yeah. That was 2002. Okay. I remember because that's when we were we were building. But uh, so whatever that is. But it didn't stop you. Oh gosh, no. It, it, <laughs> those kinds of things actually motivate me more. Yeah. Um, but I, I love meeting people. Um, on the flip side, you know, you don't always meet the uh, owner or proprietor, whatever. Uh, I left a flyer and ended up, oftentimes, if I really want the business, I'll put on my business card, you know, and give it to the person I'm giving the flyer to. If you put this in the right hands and I do a deal with yada yada, um, I'll give you three Benjamin Franklins. Wow. Do you, how often do you do that? If I really want, if it's if it's a cool store that I really would like to get their business, so it's you know. How many have you paid out? Probably at least a dozen. Wow, I've never heard that story before. That's yeah. a very interesting idea. Oh my God, it's Barry Wolf. Oh my God, it's <laughs> Barry Wolf. Barry Wolf. Hey, how are you? Wonderful. How about you? I'm doing good. Grab wonderful. a coffee. We're just chatting. Fred's just starting with his first uh, story. Uh, he, he said, I, the one guy I oh want to meet is Barry oh Wolf. Likewise. Likewise. Hey, Jeff. Nice to see you. Likewise. Barry, I have a building view. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a coffee and, and, and join in. Thanks. Oh, you don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I have a juice. It's delicious. The juice is fresh squeezed. I okay. um, he did it himself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> when he wasn't doing his hair. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but... Uh, in this one case, and it was uh, it was a skate shop, uh, uh, you know, the, the trendy stuff that goes along with skateboards and all that stuff. But um, left the flyer. Probably later that day, the owner of the store called me, and uh, we did a deal. So That's awesome. What about a canvassing karma? Do you know what that is? No. So who knows what canvassing karma is? Okay. When you're out trying to talk to other people, you'll get a phone call from a prospective tenant, you know, that, you know, kind of is, is building. You've been waiting, like you, you had, you know, you're trying to get Ulta or someone really, hi, how are you? You're waiting for Ulta, like you sent out a proposal or a package to Ulta and the broker said they're going into committee on Tuesday and you're like sitting at your desk all day Tuesday waiting for the broker to call you back on Ulta and then Wednesday and Thursday and you're not leaving your office because you said, you know, but then... If you go out on Friday and canvas, the call from Ulta will come in. That's just canvassing karma. And I used to talk about this very kind of hesitantly because I thought, oh, people are going to think I'm so granola. But then when I started talking about it, people started calling me going, I had a canvassing karma story today. And so that was, so I'm like, oh, I got to talk about more about this because I want to hear about other canvassing karma stories. So you have another story? Well, just you know, piggyback a little bit on that last one, but... <clears throat> I did a Fridays with Fred on what I'm about to say. But Tell them what Fridays with Fred is. So if you're not on LinkedIn, you need to be on LinkedIn. And if you are on LinkedIn and you're not doing Fridays with Fred, follow Fridays with Fred because it's awesome. Well, fresh here. <laughs> <laughs> so, no pride of authorship. Our marketing department came up with the Fridays with Fred idea. And, and you know why they came up with Fridays with Fred, right? You're going to tell me. Because I helped create Tuesdays with Tim. Ah, there you go. So Tim Butterfield was a junior um, agent who Phillips Edison sends me all of their new kids when, they're, when they hire them. So he came down to Florida and he did a workshop with me. And at the end, 
his flight was delayed, so he came to my office and hung out. You know, is there anyone else that did that? Me. So um, he said, you know, I, I heard you talk about it's not who you know, it's who knows you, and, but I'm new, and how could people get to know me? I haven't done anything to, for people to get to know me. You raise your hand if you feel that, like when you're new and young in the business, right? How do I get? And I said, well, what do you like to do? You know, what's your passion or what's your hobby? And, and he goes, well, I like to read a lot. And I said, okay, so why don't you, I go, just start reading a book. And then every one day a week on LinkedIn, post three things about the book that you find interesting. Because everyone, we all like to read and we're always looking for good books. And what are you getting out of the books, right? So I said, and call it Tuesdays with Tim. And he goes, and, and so Philip Edison, you know, larger companies sometimes have issues with social media. And he said, you know, should I get approval? And we'll, we'll edit this out. But I said, I said, no. I said, <laughs> don't ask. I said, it's way easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. And by the time they figure it out, you'll have, you'll have you know, two or three months of Tuesdays with Tim. And it, the ball will have snowballed. And, and so when, when all this, so that, and that, that's exactly what happened. Like three months in, he called and he goes, they just found out about Tuesdays with Tim, but they love it. And then like a month or two later, all of a sudden Friday's with Fred. And I'm like, this is awesome. Well, uh, our chief marketing officer is giving a presentation, I think either tonight or tomorrow night. Yeah. But she's. Sherilyn. Uh, she's using Fridays with Fred as a awesome. social media platform that seems to be working. Awesome. Excellent. I'll say this last story real quick and from a canvas but. Again, if I really want that store, <laughs> um, went into a Western store, chatting with the owner, great guy. I did not need a almost $500, I think it was, cowboy hat, but I bought one. <laughs> and we did that deal. There you go. Flip side, there's another different skate shop than the other one. In my office in Salt Lake, I have a longboard that's uh, PBR stuff all over it. The, the trucks have never hit the pavement, but that cost me $185. <laughs> I did not get the deal. No. Oh. But, uh, Investment. Yeah. Right. I've, I've bought various and sundry things along the way, but uh, you know, sometimes it helps to, uh, I think, make the conversation a lot more relaxed. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I still wouldn't have bought the bike from the guy that escorted me to the store. But, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Who's next? A canvassing story. What? I unfortunately have to run. I know. Thank you so much for coming. Dina? I've had several funny stories and some successful stories and some non-successful stories, but I'm definitely a very true believer in the karma aspect of it. That kind of getting yourself out there and talking to businesses, like it may not be a direct, you know, a to B, that's how you got it, but it kind of just gets your mind open to different uses. Um, we've had some like really interesting, difficult spaces that you know I was set on finding a particular user for, and then I got out into the market and I saw some other unique type users that I kind of opened my mind to different categories of uses. Um, and I know that Beth and I always talk about the Facebook reaching out to them, you know, through direct messaging, but even more so I get responses from um, Yelp because their responses are rated so highly. It shows like how quickly they respond. So they want their, um, 
whatever their, their, alg their algorithm to right they want their feedback to show that they respond quickly so you know even if it's a quick no it's a quick response so I get a lot of success from doing that and getting directly to whomever the decision maker is because nine times out of ten it's the business owner who's running their Yelp page it's not some random person. So what do you That's say? I'll example. just be like, hi, I have a portfolio of properties in this area. You know, I saw your business. It seems unique. Like, what are your expansion plans? And, you know, people love talking about themselves and their businesses. So typically I'll, I'll get something. So is who is anyone in here using so Yelp or Facebook to prospect? Yeah. So, I mean, and are you so Facebook is you can, I found that you can do 10 to 12 a day. Someone recently told me that if they go back in the afternoon, they can do another 10 to 12. If you have like a four or five hour lag, we haven't tried that yet, but that was interesting. I learned that at the Retail Live. But if you, and, and the, at Retail Live, someone said, so we're getting three out of 10 that respond. The same thing, the algorithm. Facebook will send a message saying, you know, to keep your 100% response, you respond to the, per you have a message. So that encourages the prop, the um, business owner to respond. So we're getting three out of 10 responses. And usually one of the three are saying, tell me more. And we had someone at Retail Live say, well, we're, we're only getting 10%. I'm like, well, that's weird. And everyone else, there were like five or six people in a room of about four or 500 that were getting like three out of 10. So I said, come see me after, because I want to see what's going on. Well, that guy was writing a book. He's like, showed me, yeah, I attach a flyer, I attach three flyers, I go on and on about why I think he, so I go, no one can read that. You know, they're reading the stuff at stoplights in their cars. So, you know, you ha it, so mine is just very brief. I have shopping centers in Broward County, you know, do you want additional locations? And then literally three out of 10 every day, right back. And I would say one out of, 10, three times a week, we end up showing space to, which is, and, and, and other people have been telling me about Yelp, so we're going to start using Yelp more too. Yeah, I think that they're, they're much more specific about their response times. It's not just like they respond, it's like, you know, 100% respond, or within a day, it like really shows like how quickly they respond, so like, you know, people are super, I know for me, when I get the messages for Yelp, which is, I'm, you know, a principal, I respond very quickly because I don't want it to show that we don't. So right, um, and tell everyone what market you're in. Um, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, um, and, and we are all over the state of Arizona, tenant rep and landlord rep. So, how many shopping centers do you work on? Um, we handle over six million square feet. What kind? Sell commercial. One of, the, one of my favorite uh, canvassing stories was I was uh, doing a consulting gig for a, 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 a guy in Palm Harbor which is north of Tampa, right? Mm -hmm. This is right, this is in the middle of the recession and in the market, there were at least 50 shopping centers that were occupied 60% or less. And my client had used multiple third-party brokers and he went from 92% occupied to 36% occupied. And he kept calling me saying, what do you think about this firm? What do you think about that firm? And he kept changing firms. And finally I said, I kept saying to him, you just need to send one of your people from Miami up there. And they just need to own it, learn the market, canvas it. So finally after, you know, he's literally ready to give the keys back. 
says, okay, let's create a canvassing plan. So, you know, I'll send Andrew up from Miami once a month or every other week and you go with him. So we created this plan where we went up to the market and we just blanketed this market with every tenant that was in Palm Harbor. If they were still in the market and alive, you know, that we were open for business, we were, you know, ready to do deals, you know, free rent, build out the whole thing. And um, we went into a workout place, like a fitness, a woman's fitness place. And she was getting ready to have a class and she pretty much practically spit at us. I mean, she was so rude and um, really rude. And we walk out and she's like 7,500 square feet. It would have been life-changing for the property, right? So I'm thinking, you know, because she, and she, I think she, she was either just having a bad day or whatever, but she was, I'm just starting a class, you know, don't you guys know? I mean, she was just vile. So we leave. So um, I'm back there like three weeks later and we're in that area. And he's like, let's go talk to, you know, I think it was called Anna's Fitness. I'm like, really? You want to go in there again? And then I'm thinking of my, like my, my sales hat, like don't say no for the prospect. I'm like, okay. So we go in there and she was not there, but we left a flyer this time. We had left a flyer the first time, but I, she probably threw it in the garbage. So we left it again. And then um, my visits with him diminished. And then one day he calls and he goes, guess where I'm at? And I'm like, where? And she goes, he goes, and I just left Anna's fitness. She goes, what's, guess what I'm holding? I'm like, what are you holding? He goes, uh, a $92,000 uh, like security deposit first month's rent. We just signed a lease with her, 7,500 square feet. And he goes, I just kept, you know, I just turned her around. I just kept going back and being politely. And, and she said, he said, I got her email and I told her I didn't want to meet with her when she had a class. Like, does she have time? And you know, in, in the shopping center she was in, I think she was one of two tenants left and like there were 20 tenants that had vacated. So she was a prime candidate, but, and she, but you know, she was so rude. I couldn't, I, literally she was the most rude person in 33 years of me doing business and good for him to keep going back because he knew that she would, and then she was very entrenched in the community. So when she opened in our center, it was awesome because she brought hundreds and hundreds of women to the property and it helped the leasing. So when we went and told other people that we signed with Anna's Fitness, they're like, everyone knew her. And then they opened their eyes to, you know, wanting to do business with us. So that was, that was, I remember him calling. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. But, and, and piggyback on what Dina said about uses, I always say that, you know, when you go canvas, you do find uses you never even knew existed, right? So I remember canvassing with a group that I was doing a workshop with and we walked into the space and and it looked like a restaurant but it wasn't a restaurant there but you could smell food and there was no one in the front and there was like this wall and a door it looked like a catering or something we're like what is this and this girl bebops out and she comes to the door to the thing she goes hi how can I help you guys and we're like I'm like what do you what do you do and she goes oh we are the catering facility for all of the public school system in Broward County wow. I'm like uh, there's, there's something, there isn't, who knew that existed? I'm like, you, you service all of the public schools in, in Broward County? They go, yeah. And I'm like, like all of them from this facility? Oh no, we have seven facilities. And I'm like, you have seven facilities. And he's like, yes. I go, do you, are you looking for more per chance? She goes, oh, we're looking for more all the time. I go, well, what kind of spaces do you like? This is goosebumps. She goes, we like old restaurants that no one else wants. <laughs> that has a hood and a grease trap and it's in, and it's good if it's in the corner 
I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how many? Raise your hand if you have had in your career one of those spaces, right? That you usually have to gut because no one wants, right? So the guy that was with me, I think, was from Cleveland, and he ended up going back home, finding out who was the caterer for the public school system in Cleveland, and did three deals in their portfolio with them. And I've been at the time I had been in the business probably 28 years, and I didn't even know that use existed. I thought. I don't know what I thought. I, that's, maybe there was some caterer in a warehouse, which I'm sure a lot of them are in warehouses to keep the rent down. But if you've got that space and you know you're never backfilling that gross old ugly restaurant, it's a great right, tenant for you. So absolutely, I believe in that. You're, when you canvas, you find uses that you never, that were not on your top five, right? Yeah. Other stories. Josh. You, you've been canvassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your good story since you, what, now tell everyone where you're from, who you're with, and how long have you been in the business? Yeah, so like a week. Yeah, so my name is Josh Dreyer. I'm from New York, and I'm with DOC Management in their Westchester office. And so a canvassing story that I actually experienced was about two months ago, I walked into an optical shop uh, in Buffalo, and basically asking if they had any uh, thoughts of expanding, moving to another location, and the lady just gave me the card of the owner, uh, Jack Stewart. I'm like, okay, great. So anyways, throughout that day, I walked into like two or three other optical shops in like Chittawaga, which is an area in Buffalo, and I got the same name, and basically I realized that Jack Stewart owns 17 optical stores oh in gosh. Buffalo, and the first store that I entered is his million dollar store, and he's looking to relocate it. And hopefully, you know, that could be the first deal I can do in my retail research. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. So anybody else? That's great. I hope you do that deal. Yeah, that would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Nate. A junior leasing agent I took out. It was his first day of work with our company. Tell it where you're from and your I'm name. Sorry. I'm Nate Cunarolo. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And um, I work for a small development company, and shopping centers, as well as develop. Um, so I was taking a junior leasing agent out. It was actually his first day of work. He said, hey, let's go out. Let's go canvas this shopping center. We've got 12,000 square feet of vacancy. Um, it's been challenging to get it backfilled. And uh, we went out, and it was this guy's first day of work. We hit a whole day of canvassing, brought like 50 flyers with us, passed them all out. And uh, that day, we got two leases for 12,000 square feet, 5,000 square foot clothing store and a 7,000 square foot restaurant. That day? Yeah, we signed leases with them the next month. Oh my gosh. The best prospect. <laughs> and that guy, <laughs> and it went downhill from there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is he still with you? Is he still with you? Okay. Because it went downhill from there. He's like, yeah, he started off at the top. Yeah, it was a great day. It was a lot of fun. That is, that's a fabulous story. Yeah. So, does anyone have questions about canvassing besides just stories? I actually have uh, something I wanted to address. So, I want to figure out how when you go and you're looking for tenants for your current listings, how you don't give the impression when they say, I don't like that space, and they want other listings that you don't represent, how you handle that. So, yeah, I mean, I think probably... No, correct. So you don't want to tenant wrap them, right? So I think that my I would want them to think that I was full of integrity and a help. 
So I would say, oh, well, I know Dina leases that center. Let me give you her name and number and you should call her. But I don't rep tenants, so I can't help you. But Dina's very nice. And if you like that center, because you want that person to go, wow, Roxy was so nice. And I know someone else that's looking for space that would like Roxy's center. So, so that's what I would do. So I would just you know, be very helpful with information. I would add value, because if you can add value to enough people, especially you know, if you are leasing a market like Buffalo, the more people in Buffalo that knows Josh, the faster he's going to lease up his vacancies because people talk. And you never know when that person has, you know, happens to have five relatives who all are entrepreneurs who, you know, you never know who you're helping, sure. right? Or who's got a million, you know, social media followers and then they go, wow, this Roxy chick was so awesome today. You should, you, you just never know. So I think it's always good to be helpful. But I do know people, some people that do ten. like if you canvassed and you found someone that wanted other space, you would say, oh, I can help you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've found a number of long-term clients by doing that. And also, you know, if they come, if I do get them to my space or somebody just randomly calls them a listing and it doesn't work for them, you know, finding out what they are actually looking for and kind of guiding them to another space. And yeah, definitely, it, it, it all helps. Bless you. But I, and I also think that if you, if you, direct the prospect to the landlord leasing agent because I think having really strong relationships with the landlord leasing agents in your market is an extension of your leasing team. So if I give uh, a lead to Susan Ross across the street from my properties because she's with federal and has, you know, the behemoth, she's got the million square foot mall or the, you know, power center. And I have three little, you know, multi-tenant centers, but from 11,000 to 42,000. So I'm, you know, picayune compared to what she's got. But if I send her every time I get a call for a restaurant and I can't do any more restaurants, call Susan across the Susan Ross, here's her phone number. What's Susan going to do for me? Yeah. She's going to send them back to me. And so, and, and, you know, we all have exclusives or rent issues or not the right size space. So if all of us are working together, right, but what is, what's the saying, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So the more, the higher the occupancy is in our submarkets, the higher rents we're going to get, right? So, so that's the other thing is, you know, and then e texting or emailing, hey, Dina, just sent a prospect your way. His name is, you know, S Sam. He has, he wants 2,000 square foot nail salon. I can't, he didn't like my space. Maybe you can do a deal with him. Then now, you know, she's going to help you out, I think. That's great. Thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Other questions? No, that's just goodwill and building relationships. And I'm all about all that. Karma. The that's the other karma, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Barry Wolf, you don't canvas, but you, yeah. you kind of, you prospect. prospect. No, what's the difference? Yeah, oh, what's the difference between canvassing and prospecting? This is a I mean, from what I hear, I mean, when you talk about canvas, I don't do much like little. So can you tell people who you are? I'm Barry Wolf. I'm with Marcus and Millichap. I'm an investment sales, sell a lot of shopping centers, well, single tenant type properties nationwide. Uh, so we're prospecting all the time, but I'm not really going door to door per se, knocking on a submarket. Right. I think canvassing is knocking on doors, and I think prospecting is cold calling or social media prospecting. How many conferences? Yeah. How many prospecting calls a week or a day do you do? I need to get I need to get back doing a lot of more cold prospecting. My goal is probably I mean calls like 200 to 250 a week. 
but that's also existing. Oh, but that's existing. That's on deals and existing prospects. And okay, so pure cold calling a week. That's actually one of my goals when I get back to the office. I gotta get. So where are you at? You're gonna whatever number you say is gonna be more than all no, of us. I really haven't been doing it like twenty a week, fifty no, a week. I really for this year, I really haven't done much at all. I really just been, it's been So a in that in your heyday, how many were you doing cold? When I first started, I mean, a couple hundred. Uh, a day or a week? No, no, no. A week, okay, all right. Fifty a day. Of cold. Uh, of cold. Because I mean, if, when, when you're first starting, everything is yeah. cold for your first several years. So anybody starting, you just got to do a crap load of cold prospecting to build those relationships. And what, what percentage of prospecting do you think contributed to your success? I mean, as far as how many actually worked or how, just, as far as prospecting? Just no, overall in the industry. 100%. 100. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, if you, I mean things like this, uh, I mean, that's, honestly, I mean, I don't even do canvassing, but I wanted to come support you. And I mean, it's all about building relationships and growing relationships over a long term. Uh, what's different now is, I mean, you, know, you talk about Facebook marketing or LinkedIn, that didn't exist when we first started. Right. Uh, so I think it's still, you know, it's imperative to be out there prospecting, whether it's canvassing or just at conferences or phone calls. Uh, I mean, it's, nothing's going to come to you just sitting in your office. Right. And I, I, we, right. I posted a LinkedIn and we, we were going back and forth about it about how important it is once you start. So who's been in the business five years or less? Right, who's been in the business 10 years or more? Right, so what happens when you're in the business 10 years or more is exactly what Barry said. And you're, like, I've been in the business 32 years. How long? Since 93, so yeah. you get, you get, it's not that we get lazy, but we get comfortable and we set meetings with people we know. So some of you who are following me on social, I really pushed hard this year about what percentage of your appointments are people you don't know. Because that's what you, that should be all of our goals. And my goal was to have it be 40%. And I, I think mine is at 50%, which I, but it, it took me, and you know, I teach this, but it took me, you know, chutzpah and you got to push, you know, it's just like all of y'all. Like I did like, okay, who do I not know? And who do I want to call? And, and I called people, do you know this person? Cause I want to meet this person in Vegas, you know, referrals. And can you connect me? And, you know, and I'm speaking at ICSE at 11. And I wanted to speak at ICSE Vegas. I had done it five years ago, but they didn't ask me back. I don't know why. But, you know, a lot of people want to speak at Vegas. But I, you know, it's like calling the meeting planner and, and calling Daniel Taub, who used to be with DLC, who knew the meeting planner to hook me. So finally, like, yeah, well, we've got this slot at 9 o'clock. I go, sorry, I can't do 9 o'clock. I have this other thing. Well, can you do 11? Then they said 3 o'clock. I'm like, nope, I have another thing at 3 o'clock. And then they said, how about 11? I'm like, okay, I'll move my canvassing thing earlier so that I can run over there. But that was reaching out to someone I didn't know and setting it up. So it's, it's even at 33 years in, and I wrote a book on it, it's still, it, you have to push yourself. But meeting new people, that should be our goal at every ICSE, every retail live, every local ICSE to have a goal that when I leave, I meet two new people. And use your current relationships to meet new people, like say, hey, Dina, like Dina is you. You're introducing me to someone new, right? So uh, you, working your current relationships, and like by the way, my number one goal is I have to fill a Michael's box. That's my number one goal. Anyone has any ideas to backfill a Michael's box? I'm desperate, so I a goodwill deal, phenomenal economics, and of course all the said no. 
because it's literally in the Aldi lease. It doesn't just say you, no used clothing. It says no Goodwill. <laughs> so I, right, right. They do not. It says no Goodwill or Salvation Army. And I called Jordan. I go, Jordan, can you know what about? Could we do a Goodwill? He goes, no. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I was actually at a Goodwill store a bunch of years ago um, visiting a site, and I was sitting there for about 30 minutes because I was doing bringing a deal to the market next door. Literally the cheapest car in the parking lot in that half hour was a Mercedes. It was incredible. I, mean, there's this percent, like, I think Aldi thinks Goodwill is too high-end. They'll bring too high-end of clients into their, for their Aldi. But. So then I said, while I have you, because, you know, when the national retailer does call you back, you know, you got to grab them while you can, right? So while I have you, how about gyms or, you know, WeWork type, you know, he goes, oh, let me check with my VP on that. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. But the Goodwill rent was like so awesome. I was like, done. But no. Okay. Other questions or stories? So you guys introduce yourselves to the group. Michigan. Uh, we're, I work with Imperium Property Group. Um, been with them for about two years now. Uh, we're a really new company to the market. Uh, we're more of a, a, a development, redevelopment type uh, brokerage. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome. Dina Marcello. I am from here at Las Vegas um, at Logic, and Landon and I are on a team together with a few others. Um, we specialize in working with special servicers to stabilize the property. So we're looking for tenants all the time, but our goal is to be better canvassers and find tenants easier. Um, we have a box that we're filling with Goodwill right now, so it's unfortunate, but um, I was thinking Planet Fitness for you. But. Yeah, I'm, we're talking, they, don't, they, don't, they pay half the rent that Goodwill will pay, they right? They do, and it's a heavy TI, but we're good tenants when they're there. One of the things that I also talk about when people are canvassing, you know, people go, well, I, I've canvassed everybody. And I'm like, really? You've canvassed everybody in Buffalo? Like, and then my rule is five times. So get five no's. So, my, my, so if, if you have a property in Chapel Hill, you know, there's five, like I had, I had a client once and she called, she goes, you know, I'm just, I, I, this isn't working, this canvassing thing. And, I'm, and, it's, it, and she goes, I've, I've canvassed everybody. And I said, really, in Indianapolis, you've canvassed everybody. How many people have you canvassed? So like, you know, 50. I go, I am sure there are 500 retailers in Indianapolis. And you need to go see all of them, you know, you need to go see all of them once. Then you need to identify these 50 are the ones that would be the best for my center. And then my rule is to go see them and get five no's. Because there's this Harvard study I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, and I'm not going to get the numbers right, but it's like that 80% of, of salespeople ask once, and then 60% ask twice, and then 30% ask three times, and then 20% ask four times, and then 2% ask five times. And the buyers, 90% of the buyers say yes after the fifth time. Right? So now I think you have to, so if any of you saw my LinkedIn post yesterday, my rant about Macy's. So I do think you have to be respectful when you ask and listen. You know, the, my story of, of Macy's was I went in to buy some clothes at Macy's, some tops for the show. And the woman, like literally in a span of, you know, three minutes asked me to get the credit card for the 20%. And the last thing, she, and I, kept, I kept very respectfully saying, no, thank you, no, thank you. And then finally, the last time she's, as she's about to, you know, take my Amex, she says, I just have a question. 
Do you have enough money that you don't have to save the 20%? <laughs> and I said, you know, you've asked me five or six times. I've respectfully said no. I think you have a hearing problem. I was so mad. <laughs> and then I tweeted it. And then yesterday I did a link. I mean, she j so I'm not saying ask five times in five minutes. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I was so angry. And then I went downstairs because I had to get mascara at Clinique. And the woman goes, will you be using your Macy's credit card? And I, I, I you know, I was like, no, I don't want that. You know, so, so, but, but, that, but I have a, a story about Costco where my, my best friend represented Costco. We had a servicer, we had an empty Kmart. And my servicer from LNR wanted Costco. He's like, we're going to get Costco. And I'm like, I'm calling my best friend. Hey, Ann, you know, can we do a Costco in this Kmart? I'll check. No, we can't. OK, it's three months later, my servicer, Did you, what's going on with Costco? OK, I'll ask again. Hey, Ann, can we do, you know, can you check with Costco again? Yeah, no, we're not interested. Five times, my servicer goes, I'm going to fire you guys, because I know Costco's going to go there. Get me a meeting in Washington or Seattle, wherever they were, to, to, and we're going to order a Buxton survey. Show them the demographics. OK, fine. Waste of $5,000. We do the Buxton survey. I don't, I'm a junior. I don't get to go to the Costco meeting. My boss and the servicer fly to meet with Costco. I call my friend. My friend, I said, Ann, they're not taking no for an answer. You, we have to get a meeting at Costco's headquarters. They fly out to Costco. They bring the Buxton survey. There's a Costco there now. So, but five times over about a year and a half. So it's timing is everything. I just, I'm building a center with a Starbucks. I had asked Chipotle early on. They first said yes, then they said no. They think it would be like take sales from another location. Literally a week ago, I called the broker. I said, hey, you know, we haven't talked in a long time. Have you, can you talk to Jody and see if Chipotle would take another look? And now we might be doing a deal. So I think timing is everything, you know? So, uh, you know, but I think understanding if you're in a market and all, you're all leasing for your, for Buffalo, you know, that what worked with us in Palm Harbor is everyone knew Andrew. Every retailer knew Andrew and the Palm Harbor Shopping Center. Like that guy's ready to do deals. Like if anyone is there at dinner talking, I think I should open a store. Oh, you need to call this guy Andrew. Like getting, making sure everyone in that small community understands, you know, but it's hard. It's, some of you have properties spanning different geographies. Who, who has that? Yeah, you have Atlanta. Right. Yeah. So that's hard to own. You know, I'm very lucky because all my centers are in five minutes from each other. So I, I can cross fertilize prospects. So yeah. how, it's hard, right? I'm on a plane once a week. Yeah. You wow. just eat in the streets. And you stay in your market for how, do you just like go in for one day or a couple of days? One to two days each. Yeah. It's just got to get to know everybody because the, the local people, the local brokers are the experts. So you just got to get to know them. Right. Any, anyone have luck with meeting and making relationships with residential brokers? And that, that also helped us in Palm Harbor. We, we, there wasn't a lot of national brokers. So we started going to all of the residential branch offices and bringing like a stack of 50 flyers to, to hand out at their weekly meetings and saying that we'll give you a buck a square foot. If you bring us a deal, you don't even have to be involved because we know we don't really want that. Right, what's, what's CAM? Right, so um, you can just bring us the lead. And a lot of times in the smaller markets, the residential guys are very plugged in. You know, they're the mayor's wife or the councilman's husband. 
And, you know, right? And, and, and those people know the businesses in town, so use them. Yeah, my, Jeff Dervich with Dervich Real Estate, I'm over in Tampa, and we do uh, strip center investment sales. But our family owns a shopping center on Clearwater Beach, and it's a very highly desirable location. And we had a vacancy come up, and we built alliances with the Chamber of Commerce and actually had the plaza join as a member. <clears throat> and they had a 2,000-person member list. And they allowed us, I think, for $50 to send email blasts to that whole list. And that's a pool of tenants that you can dive into. With, you know, it's okay well, for that. Yeah. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah. I like that. I like and, that for them. It was, uh, it was very well received. And it, we, we tapped into tenants that we would have never reached ever before. I mean, you have the big corporate guys and whatnot and the tenant rep brokers. And, but this was, uh, we got really good response. And we also did a, um, a Facebook page specifically for the plaza marketing the plaza as its own entity, as its own property. And that's been very well received. Um, and as it relates to the follow-up, I think it's really important. I do investment sales, but le the lease is everything, right? That's where all the value is. And I have a client that has a center that's 30% um, lease in Tampa, and they're having a really hard time hard time leasing it. And they have a very, um, they have a big firm handling it. And the list that the firm has is 200 people that they've reached out to. and you know, I feel like the deals get done on the on the seventh follow up, and it's just all about timing, like you mentioned. You know, they you know might not work at this point, but three months down the line, and getting the tenant rep to coordinate with the the retailer and just getting on the same page or scheduling a tour. I mean, there's just so many different factors. It's you have to stay after it. I feel like one of my one of my first big successes with canvassing was with a Nevada Bob's and it was 6000 square feet and I wanted them and they were going to be perfect at the center and I knew it but the first time I went in it was a freestanding building so the first time I the first thing I had to figure out was do they own the building or do they lease it and then they said no we lease it and our lease is up in 2 years I went in 3 times before he could connect me with my property so that's very important if they don't understand what you're selling then you're there. You haven't got. You haven't made enough progress to where you can have a valid conversation. So finally, after about the fourth visit, I'd go in and he'd go, "Oh, I still don't want that shopping center." But at least, like they. But I knew that he could see me with that property. And then um, in the first visit, he goes, "I have two years left on my lease." And most leasing agents would drop the ball and forget, especially if they don't have a CRM, right? And then you drive down the street and you see the coming soon sign. Like, oh, I talked to that guy, right? It's like, I had that Uber idea, right? But you got to execute, right? So, um, but, but, you know, continuing to go in and then that two years is then a year and a half and then is a year and then it's nine months. And, and then you're educating them to say that nine months to relocate a 6,000 square foot building is not too early to start talking. And many mom and pops don't understand that. And it's our job to educate them on that. Right? Right. Other stories or uh, questions? Yeah. Uh, my name is Pablo Velasco from uh, South, uh, Southern California. And we're, uh, my firm is Progressive Real Estate Partners. We're a boutique firm. We specialize in the Inland Empire. Um, but early on in my years when I was canvassing, when I had the time to canvas, um, I used to get the worst tenants in the back in the corners where you couldn't see them. And I figured if anybody needs some new space, it's them. That's a smart, so, that's smart strategy. So I would just constantly look for, literally look for those terrible tenants in the back uh, or ten terrible locations, I should say, not terrible tenants. But um, I ended up door knocking 
a guy that said, you know, catering services, office, whatever. So I go in there and I'm trying to relocate him and he's like, no, I'm not interested. And I kept kind of talking to him like, well, you know, how does your business work? So you're really, I see you're hidden in the back. So you probably don't need the visibility. Come to find out he was actually the owner of the center. And then he ended up hiring me <laughs> as a broker because he's like, he's if, like you do if, this. You're, if you're doing this, then you need to come work for me. Because he was actually leasing his own space. Right. That's awesome. So that was, you know, a, a positive uh, outcome of, of one of my canvases. I love that. Yeah. A lot of times now I canvas and I have a junior agent that works with me. So we canvas a lot together. Kara, follow her canvassing with Kara with a K, KK. And, um, but I, when I canvass, a lot of times I'm looking for properties to buy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to tenants and looking for tenants to fill our vacancy. But at the same time, I'm, I'm gauging what rents they're paying. If the center looks run down, if they say the landlord never calls them back, things like that. And if it's a property that I'm interested in, I'm gathering Intel because I may want to, because I want to buy more. So, you know, I have a portfolio of six, but I'd like to have a portfolio of, you know, 10 to 12. So, but I love that. That's a great idea. I was canvassing with a group trying to think what market. So it was, I believe with DLC, it was, it was with DLC in Dallas and it was a pouring rain day. So that's the best day to canvas, pouring rain day. Just, you know, put on your galoshes and a raincoat. It's just because, because the retailers haven't seen people all day. So they love you when you walk in and they feel bad for you and they'll talk to you. So we were canvassing, but, but it was so bad. So finally, April, so, so April says, let's, let me, and we had a transportation issue. Like she had to drop us off somewhere that we would have enough people to canvas because she had to then come, she had to go show space. So she had to come back and pick us up like 90 minutes later. So where can we go that we have enough people to canvas? So she took us to a local mall. So, and we, and it was like a C mall. So that my thing with malls are A malls canvas the kiosks because those are wannabe inline stores. And they, a lot of times those kiosks in the A plus malls have inline spaces at neighboring shopping centers too. Like it's like you meet the cell phone guy and he's got 20 locations. Like he's got four kiosks in the A plus mall and then 15 locations outside. And then the C and D malls, which we have a lot of those, the inline spaces are filled with local tenants, filled with them. So she took us to like a C mall and we were having a great day. Lots of in, like, you know, 20 minutes in, fabulous response. But on the way there, one of the rookies said, so have you ever gotten kicked out of anywhere? And like, you know, don't like from now on, when people start, this has happened to me twice with a group where they both asked and, and both times then it happens. So don't put it out in the universe. I, like, so we were walking down the, in the mall and one of the tenants turned us in, a jerk, one of those jerk tenants called mall management. So, I'm, and again, when I do workshops and canvassing, I have literally six people, I'm like walking around with six people. So, you know, you, it's like apparent <laughs> what we're doing, holding flyers. So all of a sudden we, so, so one of the kids, one of the, the girls said, I think we're being followed. And I like turn around and there's a security guard following us. I'm like, so I turn around, I go, hi. And he goes, you can't do this. I'm like, oh, do what? He goes, you're talking, you're trying to steal our tenants. I'm like, no, I just want the tenants to open another location. They can stay here. We have a location, you know, 15, 20 miles away. They can open. No, you can't do this. You have to leave. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, he goes, I, I will walk you out. And I'm like, okay, can I, I said, can I take a picture of you? Cause I thought it was hilarious. Cause now we're all laughing. Right. And he's like, no, you can't take a picture of me. So I said, okay, 
but I can take a picture of my group. So I'm taking a picture of the group and the security guards walking behind us. It's hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. And then one time I was in another mall and we were in a, like a tchotchke gift store type of thing. And I'm, again, I'm standing there with four people and this woman comes up. She goes, are you guys canvassing? I'm like, we are. She goes, that's awesome. We do that all the time. If you need anything, my management office is by the wing by Pearl Vision. I'm like, oh. now that I never, that response I didn't expect at all. That was in Detroit, Michigan. You know those nice Midwest people. They were like, she's like, I think that's great. So funny. And then, uh, and then I'll tell you one more funny story. With DLC again, I do a lot of work with DLC. I'm in Atlanta, and I did the workshop in the morning, and we're about to go canvassing in the afternoon. And all day during the workshop, the day before and then the night before and the day of the workshop, I had like, you know, pains in my stomach. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, you know, traveling a lot and, you know, no big deal. So I'm doing the whole workshop, four hours, on my feet, all good. And we go to lunch and then we're going to go canvassing for about four hours. And we go into the restaurant and I immediately get a wave of nausea smelling the food and I'm like, I think I'm coming down with something. There's something wrong with me. So I go to the bathroom, I come out, and, I, and, I, and there's a table of 10 people, a big round table. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, but I, I, I think we're going to have to do this canvassing thing another time. I think I need to go to an urgent care. So Freddie Batista jumps up. He goes, I'm going to take you to, to, the, to the hospital. I'm like, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. And I remember when I changed purses the day before, I, I re literally remember putting my, my um, insurance card on the counter. I'm like, I don't need this. I call, so... Freddie goes, okay, we're going to take you to the hospital. So they're on, we're on the way to the hospital. I call my assistant. I go, um, I'm on the way to the hospital. What? I don't know. Don't get alarmed. But I know I left my insurance card at home. So can you, fa you know, take a picture and send it? We get to the hospital. And I went surgery four, four hours later for an appendicitis uh, it burst. Like almost, it did, he goes, the good news is it didn't burst. The bad news is you're not leaving Atlanta without it, with it. And I'm like, oh, so yeah. So then Adam calls me, goes, you know, you were always part of the family, but now you really are part of the family. <laughs> so canvassing appendicitis. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so the next day I flew home. I said, can I, so I can just fly home and have this done at my hospital in Fort Lauderdale. Oh no, you're not leaving Atlanta with your appendix. <laughs> so hopefully none of that, no one loses their appendix while you're canvassing. That would not be a fun story. Have you ever canvassed? Yeah, of course. Tell, tell the story. Did we have any success when we did it? Because it was a long time ago. Uh, it was a long time ago. We, had, we certainly got leads. And, leads. And there was no, uh, no canvassing uh, before uh, like it, and maybe even after, uh, a little bit after. Oh, I need to come back. Yeah, you have to come back. I was different people. Uh, but it was uh, bold, and everybody was so receptive to what our team was so fearful. You know, there was, and, um, of, of doing, of making those connections with these people we would be. And today, you know, more than ever, um, that kind of canvassing is, is, is so important. Those types of tenants are who we're mostly seeking. We were, I was in um, Laguna last week with the Irvine company, and we, got, we had so much good response. You know, people say this a lot of, you, you planned this. Like, you know, how I have no idea. I've never even been to this market. But we were talking to a Mexican restaurant in Laguna Beach. And we walk in, and the gatekeeper's there. Like, standing. I could see the owner. Like, I knew, you know, when you, once, you know, you agree once you do this enough, you know who the owner is, and the, right? And so I could see him beyond the gatekeeper, but the gatekeeper was doing his job. So I said, you know, we have, you know, shopping, we have 39 shopping centers, and, you know, Irvine, and 
So we leave and we're standing outside because when you come out, we kind of talk, like do the download, like because if you have six people canvassing, you go in with three and then you come out and tell the other three what happened and then the other three go, it's like a download. So we're downloading it to the three that didn't go in and then the owner comes out and goes, hey, I need to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm, I have these two restaurants, my brother and I, but we're, we're opening a new one, Fast Casual, and we want to open four. So I was like, yes. I love it when the owners chase you out, right? Yeah. Other stories? How about you guys? Any Vegas stories? <laughs> um, when you were talking about just being persistent earlier with your tenants, um, you know, one story that I have is floor and decor, which, so I took over a special servicer asset. Um, there were two boxes. We had marshals vacating to a, a superior center um, just down the street. And so I, I had a Colleen's consignment that filed DK. So two empty boxes and kind of like, what do I do now? <laughs> so, you know, we're really trying to canvas and mostly on the phones and in that regard, but we find floor and decor, which has one location. And we actually did that lease several years ago with another special servicer. And so we just call them, you know, you need this location, this on the west side. And they agreed, um, but they were already looking at another site. So they kind of tell us, hey, don't waste your time. We're already far down on the line with uh, lease comments. We have our architectural drawings. So we just keep calling them every couple of weeks. Hey, how's it going? We know that landlord was a little bit difficult to work with, so just keep following up. Um, from there, we're sitting at dinner with a special servicer, and we get a text message from the tenant that says, things are kind of going south. And we said, well, how far into you are you, like money-wise, into all the work that you've done? And he said, about 100,000 in architectural drawings and, and what have you. No problem, we'll give you an extra 100K, We'll move you over here, we're ready to go, and we ended up signing the lease, which ended up bringing this center from about 60% occupied to 80, and that just kind of helps fill in the shop space tenants as well. So we're working to um, fill the rest of the center. We recently just sold it to Peb out of uh, Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, now we're doing the leasing for them, so we can hopefully get the rest filled, but that persistence. Absolutely. Right, timing is everything, and then understanding, like being able that, you know, because if you had called and they said no, and then they, you know, you being persistent, you were at top of mind, which Barry Wolf is a great, you know, top of mind. You need to be at the top of mind. Well, they keep calling, they keep calling, they keep calling. Maybe, you know, it's going to be heartburn for us because we have a hundred into it. But wait, this person keeps calling. Let's just, what what do we have to lose? Let's call her back, and like explain that the heartburn to drop the deal is this hundred. You guys take away the heartburn, and now you have the deal. And it really saved the center. You know, we did a about a $2.5 million exterior renovation. And, and at that point, $100,000 in architectural drawings is like, we gotta right. do this. And it's an 80, isn't it 80,000 square foot tenant? Yes, yeah. They would have taken an extra 20 if I had it, but uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out. But um, yeah, so now we just have a couple more boxes to fill, one with Goodwill that I just mentioned earlier. We have an elbow space that we went and met the tenant at their current location. Um, and even that tenant, um, it was the persistence of just keeping them engaged and asking them about their business and how it works and I think and, and coming to their current location caring enough to tour their facility see how it looks and how it runs and that was just very positive so um, the persistence is, is for sure of course, follow up. that you know and that that <laughs> br brings up that you know I think that people call me all the time or, or they write me and they go you know I have this elbow space and I can't lease it Right, it's like the work, you know, I would say 90% of the vacancies I see around the country are in elbow spaces. 
right? I mean, raise your hand if you have an elbow space that's vacant. So what I tell people is I said, remove the obstacles that you can. So people say, I, I'm in Buffalo, no one wants to come to Buffalo. I'm in pa Palm Harbor, no one wants to come into Palm Harbor. I have an elbow space, no one wants an elbow space. So I say, go canvas the people in Buffalo that are already successful in Buffalo, or go canvas the people in Palm Harbor that are already successful in Palm Harbor. Like, why would you go to St. Petersburg, which is 30 miles away to go to Palm Harbor? Because that's an obstacle, like, why would I go to Palm Harbor? Like, go to other elbow space tenants because they're already in an elbow space. Like you wouldn't go to an end cap to try to get them into an elbow space, right? Or get, or, or, you, or so take away the objection. You're going to have objections anyway and obstacles, but if you can meet them where they're at and they, they already, or, or someone said, well, you know, like right now I said to someone, we have this Michaels in an Aldi. And I told Kara, I want you to find every site plan in Vegas that someone is displaying that has an Aldi and look who else is in all these centers. There might be some tenant in Detroit or you know, Omaha or Atlanta that's next to an Aldi that we haven't thought to call for our Michaels. And maybe it's only a 10,000 square foot tenant, I'll split the box. But let's, you know, so let's find who likes to be next to Aldi's versus people we're calling, like we're calling Ulta, I don't want to be next to Aldi's. So, you know, so, so meet the obstacle head on and say, well, you're already, you know, so you're with an Aldi. You know, you should, would you be interested in coming to ours, right? Or rent. Well, you know, I can't find anyone that will pay $30. Well, you've got to go find someone that's already paying 30, right, to remove the obstacles. Do you have any stories? Yeah, so, um, I'm Lauren Bruner, uh, and I started the retail strategy just over 10 years ago. Uh, one story that comes to mind is, so we will, we work um, exclusively on the tenant side, and we've. Um, I primarily work a little bit more with franchisors and franchisees, and work with the franchise sales team as they are talking to prospective franchisees and becoming signing franchise agreements. So, um, you know, to touch on your point with the perseverance and the timing, it's crucial because we're following, you know, each brand, we're following 20 to 30 prospective franchisees that may sign up in, you know, somewhere in Ohio or in Omaha or Atlanta, and it's, it's kind of a, you know, the hurry and wait game where, you know, we have to secure their site very quickly, but they may not, the market may not be aware of who they are. Um, but I guess one pros or one canvassing story is one of the groups we work with is Sport Clips. So we do their corporate work, and they send us into markets when they have challenging franchisees. Or, or, <laughs> and so um, it, because we know the brand and we know the identity, we can go into that market. And so we had a, a, an instance in South Texas where our franchisee, he was a multi-unit operator, multi-brand operator, he would only go to this one space. And it was a former men's warehouse, a very deep, 120 feet deep men's warehouse. That's so, what he wanted? Well, he wanted a portion of it. Oh. He wanted to be right there because it was it was on the main corridor into the mall and into the retail center. And, um, and you know, we looked at several other different properties, and, and we agreed with them. We put some data behind it and, and so forth. And, um, but it was, it was close to 6,000 square feet. And so, you know, in looking at that the, and talking with the landlord, um, 
the landlord wasn't flexible, didn't want to demise it. And so, you know, we kind of thought through, you know, what would be a good co-tenant for sport clips? So that if we could bring two tenants into this landlord arm in arm, we could then essentially collectively take down the space. And so, you know, we, we sat there in the parking lot for about 30 minutes brainstorming with our franchisee. We decided a, a sports sports wing bar type of thing would, would be great. And so um, I was researching and Wing Barn was a local concept in in Brownsville. They had one location that was in line and just like let's go there for lunch and met the owner. Oh that's awesome. Headed off. Um, and so you know, he said, Yes, I am very interested. I'll I'll keep my inline space, but I would like to go here and so we were able to build an L shape and now we work with Wing Barn and we've probably opened seven or eight locations. Oh, that's a fabulous story. Starting to work on their franchising now, you know, kind of outside of the southern region. And so, you know, I I guess I probably have a little bit different perspective being on the tenant side. You know, one of the challenges that we face is we get inundated with sites from landlords. You mean these? For markets that you don't have any inclination. Well, but, you know, but again, we don't, our, our franchisors bring us on to monitor a lot of that and to keep and to store all that. And sometimes it's challenging when someone reaches out, you know, let's just say to Nothing But Cakes and says, you know, I have, do you want to go here? Um, I don't actually want to lose that property because we might, if it, you know, if, if it kind of meets our metrics, we might need it in six months if we send, you know, if we signed another Detroit franchisee. Um, and, and so, but sometimes it's hard to decipher on the emails. So, you know, I, I don't know, Dean, if you have that challenge with, like, on the tenant rep side, but, it, you know, or Emily, like, with being regional, but sometimes... I can't always tell what city or state people are even referring to. Like, I have to look at the zip codes on people's yeah. phone numbers. Oh, my and, gosh. You know, this is what the retailers say is, uh, if you're going to send an email blast, please, in the subject line, put the city and state. Exactly. Like, put some more information in front of me. I mean, yeah, that happens all the time where when I'm doing tenant rep work, you know, someone sends me a site and I'm like, where is the site? Like, they won't even, like, fill me in on that. They just send me a marketing flyer and I'm like, you know, I mean, there's only so much investigation that I'm going to spend on it. Like, and someone gives me a call and says, hey, I just sent you this. This is where it is. Is this a market you guys are looking in? Yeah. It's going to get so much more reaction and response from me than just, hey, let me know what you think in an email. Like, that's <laughs> going to sit in my email for quite some time. Exactly. So just, you know, that, that I think. This is why I'm, this is the. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> Anybody want one? There's some over here. Take, take one. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, just one other quick story, too. Um, we worked, you know, some of the brains that we've worked with, um, we, you know, we obviously, we showcase the landlords, we'll do branding books on the brands. A lot of them are kind of that emerging, you know, 20 to 200 units. So they may not be in Florida yet, or they may not be in the Southern market. Sometimes landlords too, um, we had a group called Russo's New York Pizzeria, and they wanted this use in their lifestyle center. And they actually had a group approach them for another franchise, like like the candidates, like the financials, um, didn't like the franchise that they were signing up with. And so they actually introduced them then to our concept and we were able then to get the, the Roos's New York Pizzeria in that center. So, that's great. So just kind of, I guess, kind of the, on the flip side. That's um, the karma, right? Which, yeah. That's the karma, exactly, exactly.
So it's 10. I welcome all of you to continue talking and networking and eating. I've got a skedaddle to ICSC to speak on nine creative ways to lease space.